Welcome to the National Women's Fitness Academy podcast. We're here to talk about women's health, female hormones, body image, and all things health and fitness. Welcome to episode one. Today we're going to be talking about endometriosis. Being March, it is Endometriosis Awareness Month, so we thought it was fitting to start off this podcast with the topic. Today we are really lucky to be talking to our women's health and natural fertility expert Jackie Lamplew. Um, she's really passionate about educating women about their hormones and teaching them that their period is not something to be scared of, it's not their enemy. Her qualifications include a Master's in Reproductive Medicine, Bachelor in Health Science in Complementary Medicine, Advanced Diploma in Health Science in Naturopathy, also 10 years clinical experience in practice, and is also the author of The Honest Hormone Handbook, which is a really, really awesome book. So we're so lucky to have Jackie on here today. Yeah, so you've already helped so many women with their fertility and hormones and things like that. And can you tell us a little bit about about yourself and, and why you like doing this? Thanks, Lauren, and thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. Very excited to be number one in the the first podcast session. Um, So a little bit about myself and how did I get into women's hormones when everyone just wants to try and avoid their hormones? Um, Really mainly, I read a book when I was about 18, and it was called Natural Fertility. And after reading it, it was just one of those books that you can't put down, and I was just like, why has no one ever taught me this? And it was just one of those big aha moments because I'm not sure about you, but sex had really failed me when it came to my body and my periods and knowing how everything works. Um, so from really that moment on, I was just like, I have got to share this with other women. And that's where I went on to study um, naturopathy and then went on to do my master's in reproductive medicine um, just to help other women understand their bodies and get pregnant yeah right we definitely weren't taught much about it in school and it's really like you don't realize until you're a bit older and you start having like little issues or not knowing what's going on and then you think why are we not taught this Um, but luckily it's starting to get more awareness around all these issues that we might have so yeah um, it's a really good um, prospects for women in the future so So let's get into endometriosis. Being endometriosis month, it's one of those hormonal illnesses, I guess. I don't know what um, the proper term for it is, but if you could tell us a little bit about what it is, um, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. So endometriosis definitely is only affects women of menstruating age uh, because it is influenced by our hormones. But there's so much more to endometriosis than just hormones. And I think that's what can make endometriosis quite um, complex in regards to treatment and quite complex in regards to diagnosis. So endometriosis is a situation where our endometrial-like tissue grows outside of the uterus. So our endometrium is what grows inside our uterus and it grows and sheds each month in response to our hormones. So that's what um, we shed when we get our period. Now, with endometriosis, we say it's endometrial-like tissue because it's not the same as the tissue that grows in our uterus, um, but it's very similar. It's still under the influence of 
uh, estrogen particularly, but under the influence of our hormones, so it will kind of grow and um, flare up in response to them. But it contains its own set of hormone receptors um, and it is under the, and it reacts slightly differently to our hormones and inflammatory molecules than, say, our um, endometrium. Um, and also with that, the issue with it growing outside of the uterus is that it's very inflammatory, and that's why we see a lot of pain. But if you can think of it a little bit like um, a grapevine or like a kind of creeper-like plant, it'll just kind of grow and infiltrate into other tissues. So it can then start affecting the ovary, your fallopian tube. It can start affecting your bowel um, and your bladder. And, it, and it's quite common to get what we call adhesion. So that's just um, kind of that grapevine growing and attaching your uterus to your bowel um, or attaching to your ovary. So your ovary can't move anymore. Um, and it can also cause cysts on the ovaries that are known as endometriomas. Um, and you can imagine that if everything's starting to be entangled with this vine-like um, structure, then it can be quite painful uh, in that area. And you're going to have issues with uh, intercourse, with your menstrual cycles, um, being able to have bowel motion or even going to urinate at the toilet. Yeah, it sounds really painful. And it's one of those things that I think in the past has been passed off as just a bad period. But mm. it's, um, it, I think uh, we've learned more recently that your period actually shouldn't be very painful. It's not normal and there's something going on. Um, I had a few people writing to our Instagram about how it feels to have it. Uh, one of our followers, Olivia, who actually has adenomyosis, which is similar and also endometriosis, I think. So she said, it feels like you're being stabbed with a knife from the inside out, uh, like you're a zombie and you get brain fog and you're very lethargic. Um, so yeah, very painful there. Paige wrote, it's fucking shit. <laughs> it's not always just the pain. You tend to numb that out sometimes. It's the mental pain as well. So it's like a, a bit of a theme there that it does affect your mental health as well. Is that like the hormones doing that or is that, I guess, the pain or a bit of everything? I, I feel it's a little bit of everything because definitely the pain is a big issue and the interesting thing with endometriosis is the pain doesn't necessarily instigate the degree of severity of the endometriosis. So someone could be in excruciating pain and have very mild endometriosis where someone could have quite advanced endometriosis but have very minimal pain. So we can't kind of, you know, judge a woman on her degree of endometriosis and what she should be experiencing because everyone experiences something different. But absolutely, it's um, a horribly painful condition. And just having to live with pain and the knowing um, that you've got, you know, a diagnosed condition can play a huge impact on your mental health. With endometriosis too, there's um, a big inflammatory component and we know that inflammation really affects um, our brain and how it functions and our neurotransmitters. So it's really um, something that we used to look at as just a hormonal condition and we now have to stand back and go, no, this is a big, we need to take a holistic approach because if we just treat the hormone side of these, we're not going to give those women the results that they deserve. We need to look at it more holistically. We need to look at the systemic or that chronic inflammation. We need to look at their energy levels, their mental health, the immune disruption that's going on and try and give, um, work on all of that to help them to have a much more 
enjoyable. Mm. Yeah, I've heard it can take a really long time to get diagnosed. If someone thinks that they might um, have this condition, is there sort of a, a way that they can fast track that or is it just a really long process? Uh, yeah, and I, I feel that that's why endometriosis month has come about to try and bring more awareness to the condition so we can fast track diagnosis and really kind of just highlight the fact this is a big issue and it's affecting a lot of women who are going undiagnosed and not getting the treatment they want. So on average, yeah, you're right, it takes about seven to 10 years for women to get diagnosed, which is crazy to think they're struggling with all this horrible pain. It's a long time. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think some of the reason around it taking this long is because a lot of the time women will go to their healthcare provider with period pain um, and they'll just be kind of shrugged off and said, oh, well, that's just part of being a woman. Mm. But period pain is not, is common, but it's not normal. Like it's your body telling you that something's not right. So a lot of these women are just told, you know, just take this drug or, you know, just suck it up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, we're told to suck it up a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's such a time, isn't it? So, and it's not really until they're starting to try and get pregnant that someone actually takes them seriously. And so... If they haven't, you know, for a lot of women, you know, they'll try and get pregnant, can't fall pregnant or haven't fallen pregnant within a year and they'll go see a fertility specialist mm-hmm. and then they're going to start doing some more investigations and find out, oh, well, we've actually got endometriosis. Yeah. So we're fobbing off these women in when they're in their younger, non, you know, not interested in starting a family yet. And it's not until they're actually struggling to get pregnant and going through all that heartbreak that actually someone sits down and takes them seriously. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that's the most disheartening thing. So really, if you know, if you feel that you may have endometriosis, um, I would be really kind of pushing the point with your healthcare practitioner and just going in there quite informed um, as well. So obviously. Endometriosis cannot be diagnosed by a blood test or ultrasound. Um, It can only be diagnosed with what's known as a laparoscopy. So when they actually um, go inside and have a look on what's going um, in um, around the uterus and the ovaries and things like that. So that's like a keyhole surgery, is it? Like they go in and and have a little look and see. Yep, yep. So it can't actually be... um, you can't actually see it from a scan or ultrasound or anything. It's just, yeah, you have to actually go in and, and have a deeper look, which is why it probably takes so long as well because that, I think, there's, is their waiting list and just processes to get to that point? Yeah, there's definitely processes. And I think we're always, when treating people, always trying to be as least invasive as possible. Mm. But um, if you really, really feel like you've got endometriosis, just um, be confident and ask. Yeah. Um, and, and just keep finding a healthcare provider, a doctor, a gynecologist. Just keep looking until you find someone who actually will listen to you. Don't be afraid to get a, another couple of opinions if you feel like you're being fogged off. Mm. Yeah, one of our um, uh, Instagram comments, Kiera wrote, um, don't ask your GP to check for it. Tell them you have it until they prove otherwise. So that's a good one. So don't get fogged yeah. off. Um, don't just yeah. keep asking and not getting um, the questions answered that you want. 
Uh, Olivia wrote, see a naturopath that specialises in females. Um, and Jess wrote, never stop seeking answers. Don't give up until you know what's wrong. Uh, and another one that is common is Kira wrote, uh, contraception does not um, cure endometriosis. It hides the symptoms and endometriosis will come back with a vengeance. So is the pill something that's often uh, prescribed to people that come in with period pain and period issues and it's not actually helping, maybe making it worse? Yeah, it is. Um, and you kind of talk to anyone, especially like, you know, our generation older um, who's gone and seen a doctor for period pain and they'll just say, I'll just take a pill. <laughs> you'll be fine we're not going to do anything more um so yeah that is a common just you know bob off just taking pills um but no it's not it's going to mask it and you've got to remember with the combined oral contraceptive pill that contains estrogen in it and we know that endometriosis is aggravated by estrogen so it's definitely going to mask the symptoms or for some women, it can actually even aggravate it. And once you stop that pill, then absolutely um, you're going to have to still deal with the endometriosis. Some women who do have endometriosis choose to go on hormonal uh, contraception um, to help manage it. And in that case, usually I recommend like the marina or just uh, the contraceptions that contain only progestin and no estrogen. Um, to, to just to help manage and make life more manageable, which is um, totally fine. But yeah, I wouldn't in, I wouldn't kind of encourage someone just taking it um, just for the hell of treating the endometriosis because yeah, it's just going to mask it, potentially make it worse. Find out exactly if you've got endometriosis and make sure you get a diagnosis first. And then once you know, you have so many different options on how you want to treat. Do you want to go down the medical route and um, treat it with a laparoscopy or with hormonal um, birth control, we'll call it, but hormonal um, drugs? Or then do you want to kind of try and treat it naturally or, and help reduce any flare-ups or it um, aggravating again? Because what we've got to remember is, Laparoscopy um, surgery is the gold standard for treating endometriosis where they can they go in and they scrape all the uh, tissue away and remove the adhesions and that helps reduce the inflammation uh, and a lot of the symptoms in, that women experience with endometriosis. But the endometriosis is kind of going to grow back. Okay, so, so it's going to grow back. Yeah. plan on how are we going to manage this condition for you? How, what are we going to do to help prevent it growing back um, or at least slowing that, mm. that rate of growth back. And then if we can do that, then we can also manage your symptoms at the same time. Um, so going from that, is there a cause of it or it, are there causes of endometriosis or is that still not understood completely? Yeah, it's still not understood completely. There's a lot of um, ideas on what causes it. For a long time, it, there was thought that there was what they call retrograde menstruation. So instead of your menstrual blood coming out of your vagina, it's kind of actually spouted out and come through your fallopian tubes and yeah. into, into the abdominal cavity. That was a long-standing um, idea of what was going on, but I feel more so in the last you know, five or so years, that's starting to be debunked a little bit. Mm. Um, there's thoughts that it might be an autoimmune condition because yeah. it has some similar markers and reacts very similar to autoimmune disease. 
Um, so, yeah, we're, yeah, we're still definitely trying to find out what the cause is. Whether we find it or not, um, we're definitely learning a lot more about the best ways to treat it. Because once we moved from it being just a hormonal condition to, okay, actually we've got immune system issues, we've got chronic inflammation, um, that's when we start seeing better results in the clinic. Okay, so they can get the, the surgery to get the tissue removed and then in between that time, is, is there a normal time frame that it might grow back or is it different for everyone? Yeah, it's different for everybody and definitely it depends also on the severity or the aggressiveness of their endometriosis too. Like, like I said, some people can have quite advanced endo but have very little symptoms. So, yeah, it's how long the piece is stringing, unfortunately. But I think the empowering idea is that, that there is a lot that you can do yourself to help um, reduce and slow its growth again. Yeah. So a lot of like lifestyle things can that help and is there like natural remedies and things like that that you can do um, instead of the peel or as well as hormone treatments or what's sort of the best way it's been done that, that you have seen? Um, and that's a really nice point you made too. Like it doesn't have to be this way or that way. You can incorporate the best of medical, natural medicine, lifestyle diet, um, which is really nice to have that holistic approach. Um, so when treating endometriosis, like I, there's five different areas that I really focus on in regards to treatment. So the first one is trying to reduce that chronic inflammation because that's just like going to aggravate everything. So that's one of the big areas I'll address is trying to reduce inflammation. Um, the second area is stabilising the immune system because there's mark very similar to autoimmune component we really want to help with that immune balance so that's um, where we can look at making sure you've got adequate vitamin d levels making sure your zinc levels are adequate um, checking your stress levels because stress will have a really big impact on your immune system looking at your exposure to endocrine disrupting chemicals so they're known as edcs and they are chemicals that we find in our cleaning products our beauty products um, our personal care products and the chemicals act like estrogen within the body. So they'll mimic the actions of estrogen and studies have shown that women with endometriosis have higher blood levels of BPA, phthalates and dioxins. So definitely if you are struggling with endometriosis, being really mindful of those three chemicals and your exposure to um, toxins. So changing out your personal care and makeup to more natural forms, avoiding plastic as much as possible. So BPA is found in plastic. Uh, so only drinking out of glass, don't heat food or store hot food in plastic, and even washing your hands after touching like a, a receipt from a till because that the contains BPA. Um, and phthalates it smells. So you know, ditch your fabric softener because that's full of phthalates. Uh, you know the, like, garbage bags you get and they're, like, lemon-scented? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many things Which, that you wouldn't even think about that can, yeah, get absorbed into your body and can affect your hormones. It's amazing. So, yeah, the smells, um, touching ink and the fabric softener. Um, yeah, is there other, what other things? Um, using organic um, feminine care products, so like yep. your tampons and your pads, because yeah. uh, what 
that deoxin that we talk about, we often see in um, quite heavily bleached cottons. And um, so your conventional tampons will be in there. So always making sure they're organic. Um, but yeah, so just, and you know, fake candles and not spraying perfume. You know, they tell you to spray perfume here and here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah. spray, I always, I love my perfume. I can't change it for a natural one. It's, yeah. I don't know. I'm, so I just spray it on my clothes because then I don't absorb it into my skin. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, amazing. You think, yeah, you, you spray the perfume on your neck and your wrist and that's just going to go straight into your bloodstream. And, yeah, that, yeah. that could be one of the things that's impacting your um, hormone cycle, which is, yeah, just mind-blowing. Um, it is. Yeah. It it's yeah. Sort, of, sort of like gives you that um, perspective on why there are so many women with this condition. I think it's something like one in ten. Is that... Um, mm like more recent data is, is it is it gone up or is it just not been um documented in the past my understanding is the one in ten is the most um recent figures that we have um is it going up i think it's going to be very hard to say yeah absolutely we've got more diagnosis of endometriosis than we did like 30 years ago but i think that's because we, we're getting better at diagnose diagnosing it and acknowledging it yeah for sure yeah, wow. Um, so in terms of lifestyle, like you talked about reducing those toxins in your products, um, what about is there like a diet or something that you can do in your lifestyle and exercise and things like that? How does that help endometriosis? Yeah, so with diet, that's a big player because we really want to look for more an anti-inflammatory diet because in endometriosis we have so much inflammation. So Having lots of those anti-inflammatory fats like salmon and walnuts and chia seeds are going to be really important. Lots of dark green leafy veggies and lots of fibre. There's been a lot of studies linking gluten and endometriosis. So one study got a group of women to cut out um, gluten completely from their diet for a few months. And what they found with that group of women is that about 80% of those women actually felt an improvement, so a reduction in their pain from going gluten-free. And the women who didn't have notice any reductions, they didn't notice that their pain got worse. Okay. So yeah. the idea is that if you are struggling with endometriosis, it's probably a, um, recommended to go gluten-free to mm. help potentially reduce the pain. Um, and we know that gluten is very inflammatory to the body as well. So um, it can also help reduce that inflammation that's going on. Um, and again, with that, often a gluten and dairy-free diet is recommended for women with endometriosis to reduce that um, inflammation. But again, just, you know, kind of tailoring it for each individual is also really important. Some women are quite sensitive to dairy. Um, and it can be an issue for them, while other women with endometriosis feel that they can have a little bit. Mm. Um, so I think it's a real trial and error. Take it out for a month and see how you feel. Um, and if your symptoms do improve, then that's working for you. Mm. Yeah. Um, the other thing we need to uh, consider is that we need to support estrogen clearance because we know estrogen aggravates endometriosis. Yeah. So we want to make sure we're having a bowel motion every single day. So we're getting rid of the estrogens out of our body. You, you want to be trying to eat 30 grams of fibre, 
because again, that's going to help clear the excess estrogens out. Lots of broccoli, cabbage, Brussels sprouts um, are, are beautiful at detoxifying estrogens. So making sure you're boosting up your diet with that. Yeah. Exercise, of course, is um, always really important. For And we've got to remember for the mental health component as well. Yeah, it's going for sure. To be important for that. Um, more endorphins from exercise is going to also help with your ability to handle uh, the pain and your yeah. pain resilience. Um, and doesn't, I've been asked before, you know, what kind of exercise, are there any exercises I shouldn't do with endo? Um, there isn't a hard set rule about exercise and endo. Definitely exercise is important. Um, but if you're not sure, you know, speak to someone who's trained, like a PT trained in endometriosis and women's health or even um, a women's health physio because it depends on where your pain is or, you know, what organs are being infect, affected by your endometriosis on what um, exercise are going to be better. Just having pain. someone that understands it, um, that's why uh, our our course we teach our personal trainers about these conditions because you can help your clients not only just by understanding it and knowing what it is you can see if they're sort of guarding their tummy and maybe you shouldn't get them doing those heavy squats because they might hurt their back and just so looking out for those little things that um yeah the guarding of the the abdomen and things like that not making them do um heaps of like box jumps or you know crunches and heavy really heavy compound movements so yeah, just those practical things. That there's heaps of practical things there that you gave. Um, that's yeah, that anyone could take on board. Um, like mm. yeah, just so interesting that because endometriosis is flared up, uh, can be flared up by high estrogen. You can detoxify that estrogen by having a high fiber diet and including those um, green leafy vegetables, reducing the gluten or you know cutting that gluten out of your diet. Um, which is also can be an inflammatory um, thing for people. So, yeah, such um, practical and great advice. Um, one of the other questions that I got on Instagram was, if you get ovulation pain, is that a sign of endometriosis or is that something that's normal? Um, it, it can be, but it doesn't necessarily is. So um, definitely women with endometriosis do report ovulation pain and pain at different times of their cycle. But if you're getting ovulation pain, don't automatically think you've got endometriosis. Um, you need to kind of tick a few of the other symptoms of endometriosis, like uh, painful periods and uh, painful sex, uh, pain when going on bowel motion, uh, spotting or bleeding at different times of your cycle. So those kind of things as well. Um, but if you are experiencing ovulation pain, you can start um, trying some of the dietary and lifestyle recommendations that we just spoke about before because often ovulation pain is in response to that spike in estrogen at ovulation and in combination with that you get this spike in inflammation. So looking at an anti-inflammatory diet, increasing your fibre, making sure you're exercising regularly, all those things are going to help um treat the ovulation brain as well yeah well i'm going grocery shopping after this now i've got to go get my green green leafy vegetables and my gluten-free um bread because yeah it's just um yeah inflammation i suppose you can get it even if you don't have these conditions and it can affect um affect you your your, your um your 
bloating and things like that and your skin. Um, can you yeah. have like, can you have all these symptoms and then not have endometriosis or is it something that if probably, probably do have it or yeah. Yeah, you absolutely can. So especially when it comes to period pain, not all women with period pain have endometriosis. So if you are experiencing period pain, um, pain with sex, discomfort when you're having bowel motions or kind of irregular spotting with your cycle, make sure you do go and get it investigated because these are all signs that something isn't right. It may be endometriosis, but it may also not because there's different things that, you know, cause um, period pain and things like that. So it's really important that if you are getting these symptoms, to make sure you go and speak to a healthcare practitioner uh, and get it looked into because your body's telling you something's not right. So it's um, time that we listen to them. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll, yeah, get to some more of these comments. So Ashton wrote, it feels like your uterus is going to fall out during your period and you're losing cups of blood at a time. So is that one of the other like symptoms is losing a lot of blood or is that something that some women maybe experience? Yeah, heavy periods is definitely a symptom um, and like a period with lots of clots in it can be a symptom. I honestly take my hat off to these women with endometriosis, they, I, they definitely deserve the title of an endo warrior because what they go through when they get their period is like insane and they're just some of the strongest, toughest women that I've met. They definitely are strong and I know a few people that suffer from it and they still, um, you know, they have to get up and tend to their kids, they have to go to work and or school or, you know, everything like that. And, um, yeah, it is definitely a lot harder than it is for people without it. So hats off to them for still getting out and, and doing, mm. you know, doing life. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. I guess to wrap it up, like, is, is um, treatment of endometriosis something that you could help women with if they wanted to come to you? Yeah, absolutely. I do treat um, quite a few women with endometriosis, both um, women trying to conceive and women who are not trying to conceive. Um, and, yeah, more than happy to kind of work with women wherever they're at. Some uh, women I work with and they are on a form of, like, hormonal support and what we're doing is building those foundations to help, you know, reduce inflammation and balance the immune system um, and make life a lot easier for them. And then on, and then there's women who don't want to go down that hormonal, um, synthetic hormonal support avenue. Um, and then, you know, so we're trying to tackle it from, you know, the, treating the cause and treating those symptoms and making life a lot more manageable. So, yeah, more than happy to work with women for wherever they're at with their endometriosis. Yeah, awesome. Yes, it's it's great to know that there are female-specific um, naturopaths out there helping helping so many women with these conditions. So you help women with their fertility every day. I see posts all the time where someone's gotten pregnant after um, being uh, your client. I think that must be such a great feeling. Oh, it is really very exciting. And I also have to just say kind of how grateful um, and honoured I am that they let me in on this journey because you know you're a mom as well so you know how um secretive that whole trying to get pregnant and you know those first 12 weeks of being pregnant are doing everything you can to like look normal but yes <laughs> trying to keep it right so it's it's really such an honor and like really special that someone lets you into their inner circle and um 
yeah, allows you in on that kind of journey. And and when, you know, you're, I'm usually like the second person to find out after their husband. So, oh, my goodness, it gives <laughs> me like goosebumps. And, oh, just knowing what some couples have been through, it's just, oh, so excited when they yeah. finally get that, you know, big fat positive. That's awesome. So uh, what is the best advice that you've ever been given? Um, <laughs> so much advice. Um Probably the, the um, asking the question of what can I learn from this or what did this teach me? So, you know, when you, you know, something hasn't gone your way or you've yeah. had a bad day or, um, yeah, you're not kind of feeling great about a situation or didn't get that job and just kind of standing back and going, okay, so what can I learn from this? Mm. And I find it really helps you move from that victim mentality yeah. to a more like empowering position on going okay just a step in the journey yeah I love that so um, yeah no there's no failures yeah. there's just lessons absolutely <laughs> yes and uh what is the biggest assumption that people make about you that I am younger than I am yeah that's, I don't a, know <laughs> that's a nice one to have though <laughs> you do you do yeah, look very nice young one, yeah. <laughs> like starting out as a naturopath and I was like just young and you know you want to be taken seriously and everyone's like are you even old enough to do this job yes. and I'm like yeah yes. yes I am you've been in your in, now yeah yeah you've been treating yeah. people for over 10 years um yeah I guess I met you oh, at Curtin University it was over what 12 years ago I can't remember now but yeah it's that's a long time yeah. <laughs> And isn't it funny how like our lives have gone? Like we met studying ag. Yes. I know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So for those who don't know, we I met Jackie at Curtin University studying agriculture, um, agribusiness. And then yeah, Jackie went off to um study medicine and and naturopathy. And Mm -hmm. I completed my studies but then went on to journalism. So yeah, and now starting the National Women's Fitness Academy, got into fitness. Um just because there wasn't enough help there for women in the industry, I thought. So, yeah, it's so lovely to connect with so many like-minded women and try and um, hopefully help more women out there. So I really hope we have helped anyone out there. And if anyone has any more questions or anything like that, then feel free to give myself or Jackie a message and, yeah, we can continue the conversation if there's anything that wasn't answered or anything like that, I guess. Is there anything you'd like to finish on? No, just a big, big thank you for having me on. And yeah, well done on starting a new podcast. And just, yeah, I just love the work that um, you and the whole academy are doing on just helping women feel comfortable and more empowered with their health. So well done. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to seeing your podcast evolve. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for being a guest on this. And yeah, we'll speak to you soon. Lovely. Thank you for listening to the National Women's Fitness Academy podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Kelvin. We would absolutely love it if you could screenshot and tag us at Instagram at womensfitnessacademy underscore oz. If you'd like some more information on how to become a master female trainer, head to www.nwfacademy.com.au.